welcome back to Bitching About the Mabinogion. We're now up to part three of the story of how Kiluch won Olwen. So we've met Kiluch, King Arthur's nephew, and a curse was placed on him so that he would never love any maiden except Olwen, the daughter of Isbadadan Benkar. Kiluch went to King Arthur to get assistance, and Arthur promised him that assistance. And then, with some of Arthur's knights, he went and met Isbadad and Benkaur and was given a long list of impossible tasks. And along the way, they also picked up as a companion Isbadad's young nephew, Gorai. And they've now returned to Arthur with the information about the impossible tasks, and they've started working their way down the list. Arthur said, Which of those wonders is it now best to seek first? It is best to seek the two whelps of the bitch Remy. We're talking about a dog here, not like, that's not a derogatory term. Does anyone know, said Arthur, where she is? She is, said one, at Aber Dagleviv. Arthur came to the house of Tringad in Aber Cleviv and asked him, Have you heard about her here? In what form is she? In the form of a she-wolf, he said, and she goes around with her two whelps. She has killed my livestock many times, and she is down below in Abba Cleviv in a cave. What Arthur did was to set off by sea in Pridwen, his ship, and others by land to hunt the bitch, and in this way they surrounded her and her two whelps, and God changed them back into their own shape for Arthur. Arthur's host dispersed, one by one, two by two. And one day, as Gwyrthyr, son of Gredol, was travelling over a mountain, he could hear weeping and woeful wailing, and it was terrible to hear. And he rushed forward in that direction, and as he came there he unsheathed his sword, and cut off an anthill at ground level, and so say, what? No, genuinely there is no context for this. And so saved them from the fire. And they said to him, Take with you God's blessing and ours, and that which no man can recover, we will come and recover it for you. It was they, after that, who brought the nine hestas of flaxseed that Isbadal and Benkar had demanded of Kiluch, in full measure, with none missing except for a single flaxseed, but the layman't brought that before nightfall. Okay, so we've just had in like three paragraphs there a really short version of what is a classic folk story. So it's a classic folktale motif, that of the protagonist who is helpful and compassionate to an animal or a group of animals in trouble, and they promise to repay them, and later assist that protagonist with an impossible task. Helping ants, who then sort types of grain or gather innumerable grains, is is a bit of a classic. And it just gets mentioned very briefly along with this nice little aside about a single lame ant who came behind them slower. That's my cat. So we're really getting the vibe here of brief reminders of a whole lot of different little stories that can be told individually. That someone might tell the story of how the nine hesters of flaxseed were recovered. Someone might tell the story of how Mabon at Modron was found. 
that someone might tell the story of how Rumi and her two whelps were, were captured. And this particular version is telling these shorter tales in summary only. Well, most of them. As Kai and Bedwyr were sitting on top of Pimlimon on Garn Gwalathar, in the strongest wind in the world, they looked around them and they could see a lot of smoke towards the south, far away from them, unmoved by the wind. And then Kai said, By the hand of my friend, look over there, the fire of a warrior. They hastened towards the smoke and approached the place, watching from afar as Dilis Farvog roasted a wild boar. He, without doubt, was the greatest warrior who had ever fled from Arthur. Then Bedwyr said to Kai, Do you know him? I do, said Kai. That's Dilis Farvog. There is no leash in the world that can hold Dridwin, the whelp of Gride, son of Eri, except a leash made from the beard of the man you see over there. And it won't be of any use either unless it's plucked with wooden tweezers from his beard while he's still alive, for it will be brittle if he's dead. What shall we do about it? said Bedwyr. We will leave him, said Kai, to eat his fill of the meat, and after that he will fall asleep. While he was doing just that, they made wooden tweezers. When Kai knew for sure he was asleep, he dug a pit under his feet, the biggest in the world, and he struck him an almighty blow, and pressed him down in the pit until they had plucked out his beard completely with the wooden tweezers. And after that, they killed him outright. And from there both went to Kethli Week in Cornwall, and with them a leash from the beard of Dithisfarvog, and Kai handed it to Arthur. And then Arthur sang this englin. A leash was made by Kai from the beard of Dithis son of Evrai. Were he alive, he would kill you. And because of that Kai sulked, so that the warriors of this island could hardly make peace between Kai and Arthur. And yet neither Arthur's misfortune nor the killing of his men could induce Kai to have anything to do with him in his hour of need from then on. So what we're getting here is the hooking in of the story of Kilukakolwin with other stories about the relationship between Arthur and certain knights in his court, and specifically, in this instance, Kai. And Englin, which will get mentioned at various other occasions, is a short poem. They're, they're somewhat magical, is the vibe. It's a fairly strict poetic form, usually three lines or four, and they have this interesting feature where the Englands in stories like this are sometimes in a more archaic language than the actual prose, basically because if you mess with poetry to update the language, it stops fitting the form. So people tend to remember the original poem even as they update the prose. And then Arthur said, which of those wonders is it best to seek now? It is best to seek Thridwin, the whelp of Gride, son of Eri. A little while before that, Crevilla, daughter of Slithlau Arant, went off with Gwythyr, son of Gredol. But before he could sleep with her, Gwyn, son of Nith, came and took her by force. Gwythyr, son of Gredol, gathered a host, and came to fight against Gwyn, son of Nith, and Gwyn triumphed, and captured Gride, son of Eri, and Glynai, son of Taran, and Gurgust Ledlum, and Divnarth, his son. And he captured Pen, son of Nethog, and Nwithon, and Kledir Wilt, his son, 
and he killed Muithon, and cut out his heart, and forced Caledir to eat his father's heart, and because of that Caledir went mad. Arthur heard of this, and came to the north, and summoned Gwyn son of Nidth to him, and released his nobleman from his prison, and made peace between Gwyn son of Nidth and Gwythyr son of Gredol. This is the agreement that was made. The maiden was to be left in her father's house, untouched by either party, and there was to be battle between Gwyn and Gwythyr every May Day, forever from that day forth until Judgment Day, and the one that triumphed on Judgment Day would take the maiden. And after reconciling those noblemen in that way, Arthur obtained Mungthun, steed of Gwethu, and the leash of Corscant Ewin. Funnily enough, that story does not seem to be the story of how he got Thridwin, even though that's how they introduced it. You really get this vibe that this story is... This frame tale is pulling together all sorts of references to a really rich tradition that we just don't have access to. After that, Arthur went to Brittany, and Mabon son of Meft with him, and Gwar Gwast Eirin, to seek the two dogs of Glithwyr Ledewig. After he had got them, Arthur went to the west of Ireland to seek Gurgi Seferi, and Odgar son of Ive, king of Ireland, with him. And then Arthur went to the north and caught Caledir Wilt, and he went after Isgithrun Penbive. And Mabon son of Mecht went holding the two dogs of Glithvir Ledewi, and Dredwin the whelp of Gride son of Eri. And Arthur himself went on the chase holding Kavath, Arthur's dog. And Cow of Predin mounted Thumrai, Arthur's mare, and held the boar at bay. And then Cow of Predin armed himself with a small axe, and with fierce vigour set upon the boar and split his head in two, and Cow took the tusk. It was not the dogs that Isbatharn had demanded of Kiluch that killed the boar, but Kavath, Arthur's own dog. And after killing Isgrithwun Penbive, Arthur and his retinue went to Kethliwig in Cornwall, and from there he sent Menu son of Tergwaith to see whether the treasures were between the ears of Tuch Troith, because it would be pointless to go to fight with him unless he had the treasures. It was certain, however, that he was there. He had destroyed one-third of Ireland. Menu went to look for them. He saw them at Esgairoilvel in Ireland, and Menu turned himself into a bird, and settled above his lair, and tried to snatch one of the treasures from him. But indeed he got nothing except one of his bristles. The boar got up in full fury, and shook himself so that some of the poison caught him and from then on Menu was never without affliction. So, again we're getting that Tuch Troith, this boar, there's obviously a whole bunch of ideas about what this boar is, that it's incredibly powerful, that it's got poison on it somehow, that it's fierce. But very little of that is explained in this story. It's kind of assumed that we know. After that, Arthur sent a messenger to Odgar son of Aeth, king of Ireland, to ask for the cauldron of Durnach Wivel, one of his stewards. Odgar asked him to hand it over. Durnach said, God knows, even if he were the better for getting just one look at it, he would not even get that. And Arthur's messenger came with a no from Ireland. Arthur set off with a small force, and sailed in his ship Pridwen, and came to Ireland, and they made for the house of Durnach Wivel. Odgar's retinue took note of their size, and when they had eaten and drunk their fill, Arthur asked for the cauldron. Durnach said that if he were to give it to anyone, he would have given it at the request of Odgar, king of Ireland. 
Having been told no, Bedweird got up and took hold of the cauldron and put it on the back of Hergwith, Arthur's servant. He was a brother by the same mother to Kakamuri, Arthur's servant. His duty was always to carry Arthur's cauldron and to light a fire under it. Llenleog Wivel grabbed Kaledvulch and swung it round and killed Durnach Wivel and all his retinue. The hosts of Ireland came to fight them. And when all the hosts had fled, Arthur and his men boarded the ship before their very eyes, and the cauldron with them, full of Irish treasure. And they landed at the house of Thoide, son of Kilcoid, at Porthcervin in Divet. And Mesir Epire is there. And then Arthur gathered together every warrior in the three islands of Britain, and her three adjacent islands, and in France, and Brittany, and Normandy, and Glad Derhav, and every choice hound and celebrated steed. And he went with all those hosts to Ireland, and there was great fear and trembling because of him in Ireland. And when Arthur had landed, the saints of Ireland came to him to ask for protection, and he gave them protection, and they gave him their blessing. The men of Ireland came to Arthur and gave him a tribute of food. Arthur came to Esgair Oilvel in Ireland, where Turch Troith was, with his seven little pigs. Hounds were let loose on him from all directions. That day until evening the Irish fought against him. In spite of that, he laid waste a fifth of Ireland. And the following day Arthur's retinue fought against Turchtroith. He did them only harm, he did them no good. The third day Arthur himself fought against him, for nine nights and nine days, but he only killed a single piglet. The men asked Arthur what was the history of that swine. He said, He was a king, and for his sins God changed him into a swine. Arthur sent Gurhir Gwalstau the Aethoith to try and talk to Torthroith. Gurhir went in the shape of a bird and settled above the lair of the boar and his seven little pigs. And Gurhir Gwalstau the Aethoith asked him, For the sake of him who shaped you in this image, if you can speak, I am asking one of you to come and talk to Arthur. Grigin Gurich Arint answered, that's one of the little pigs. All his bristles were like wings of silver, and one could see the path he took through woods and over fields by the way his bristles glittered. This is the answer Grigin gave. By him who shaped us in this image, we will not do and we will not say anything to help Arthur. God has done us enough harm by shaping us in this image without you two coming to fight against us. I tell you that Arthur will fight for the comb and the razor and the shears that are between the ears of Turchtroith. Grigin said, Until his life is taken first, those treasures will not be taken, and tomorrow morning we will set off from here, and we will go to Arthur's land, and there we will wreak the greatest havoc possible. They set off over the sea towards Wales, and Arthur and his men and his steeds and his hounds went in Pridwen and they caught a glimpse of Turchtroith and his pigs briefly. Turchtroith landed in Porthclice in Dived. Arthur went as far as Manu that night. The next day Arthur was told that Turchtroith had passed by, and he caught up with him, killing the cattle of Kynwas Curivagul after he had killed all the men and beasts there were in Daigleviv, before Arthur arrived. From the moment Arthur arrived, Turchtroith set out from there as far as Preseli, Arthur and the forces of the world came there. Arthur sent his men to the hunt, holding Eli and Trachmir and Dridwin, 
the whelp of Gride, son of Eri, while Gwathegiv, son of Kao, was on another flank, holding the two dogs of Glithvir Ledewik, and Bedwir holding Kafath, Arthur's dog. And Arthur arranged all the warriors on the two banks of the Nivir. The three sons of Pevith de arrived, men who had received great praise in killing Iskurfin Pinbaith. And then Turtroith set off from Glynivir, and came to Cum Kerwin, and there he stood at bay. And then he killed four of Arthur's champions, Gwarthegiv son of Cao, and Tarogath Quid, and Hreidun son of Beli Adver, and Isgovan Hael. And after killing those men he stood at bay a second time in the same place, and killed Gwidre son of Arthur, and Gaselith Withel, and Gleo son of Isgod, and Isgawen son of Panon. And then he himself was wounded. And the next day, early in the morning, some of the men caught up with Turtroith and his peaks. And Turtroith killed Huandao, and Gogigur, and Penpingion, the three servants of Gleilwid Gavailvaur, so that God knows he had no servant left to him in the world except Lyskerman himself, a man who was no use to anyone. He also killed many men of the country, and Gulithin Sire, Arthur's chief craftsman. And then Arthur caught up with him in Pelinyog, and then Turtroith killed Madog son of Tathion, and Gwyn son of Tringed son of Naived, and Arian Penthloran. And from there he went to Abertui. There he stood at bay, and he killed Kinlas son of Kinan, and Gwilenhin, king of France. From there he went to Glynistin, and then the men and hounds lost him. I hope you guys are appreciating my efforts at all of the Welsh names here, because believe it or not, for each individual name, I'm more likely to get it right first try than I was when I was reading the Decameron. It's just that there are at least ten times as many. Arthur summoned Gwyn son of Nith to him, and asked him if he knew anything about Turtroith. He said that he did not. Then all the huntsmen went to hunt the pigs, as far as Dyfryn Llychor, and Grygyn Gwath Eraint and Llwdog Govyniaid rushed at them, and they killed the huntsmen so that not one of them escaped alive apart from one man. Arthur brought his men to where Grygyn and Llwdog were, and then let loose on them all the hounds that had been named. And because of the shouting and the barking that resulted, Turtrith came and defended his peaks. He had not set eyes on them from the time they had come across the Irish Sea until now. Then Turtroith was attacked by men and dogs, and he took flight as far as Manu, and then a piglet from among his pigs was killed. They engaged him in mortal combat, and then Turtlawin was killed. And then another of his pigs was killed. Gwys was his name. And from there he went to Dufren Namanu, and there Banu and Benwick were killed. Not one of his pigs lived to go with him from there except Gregin Gwast Ereint, and Llwydog Govinyad. From there they went to Llwch Ewin, where Arthur caught up with Turtroith. Then he stood at bay, and then he killed Echel forth with Tuth, and Awili son of Gwedog Gwyr, and many men and hounds besides. From there they went to Llwch Tawi. Grygyn Gurich Eraint then separated from them, and made for Dintui. And from there he went to Keredigion, followed by Eli and Trachbir and a crowd besides. And he went as far as Garth Grigin, and it was there Grigin was killed in their midst, but not before he killed Trithview Rhys and many others. 
and then Fuidog went to Istradu, and it was there the men of Brittany encountered him, and then he killed Hirpesog, the king of Brittany, and Llegadrith Emis, and Gurfodu, Arthur's uncles, his mother's brothers. And then Llwydog himself was killed. Turtroith then passed between Tawi and Elgias. Arthur summoned Cornwall and Devon to meet him at Abahavren, and Arthur said to the men of this island, Turtroith has killed many of my men. By the might of men he will not go to Cornwall while I am alive. I shall pursue him no more, but will engage him in mortal combat. You do what you will. So we've just done an enormous tour of basically the whole island of Britain and some of Brittany, with all of these different locations on the hunt of Turtroif. And this is just obviously, you know, we're, we're not just talking a folk tale here. This is clearly at the sort of scale as the labours of Hercules. You know, this is huge, and this is so many heroes. Hell, this is the Battle of Troy for the sheer density of characters that are showing up here. And just like the Battle of Troy, I'm sure that most of these characters actually had a story beyond just being name-dropped. But because of the format of this particular tale, they're just name-drops and they don't mean anything to us. So it's just this intense sequence of name after name after name of things happening. But the hunt will be over soon. This is what happened on Arthur's advice. They sent an army of horsemen, and the hounds of the island with them, as far as Elias, and they returned from there to the Havren, and ambushed him with every experienced soldier in this island, and drove him by sheer force into the Havren. And Mabon, son of Modron, went with him on Gwynmingdun, Gwedu's steed, into the Havren. And Gorai, son of Kistenin, and Menu, son of Tergwaig, between Llinlhoan and Abergui. And Arthur fell upon Turtroith together with the warriors of Prydain. Osla Gethlethfawr approached, and Manawidan, son of Llyr, and Kakamuri, Arthur's servant, and Gwyngethli, and closed in on him. And they grabbed him first by his feet, and soused him in the havron until it flooded over him. Mabon, son of Modron, spurred his horse on the one side, and grabbed the razor from him. And on the other side, Kaledir Wicht rushed into the havron on another horse, and snatched the shears from him. Before they could remove the comb, he found his feet, and firm ground. And from the moment he found dry land, neither hound nor man nor steed could keep up with him until he reached Cornwall. Whatever trouble was had getting those treasures from him, worse was had trying to save the two men from drowning. As Kakumri was pulled up, two millstones pulled him back into the depths. As he was running after the boat, Osla Gethlethvar's knife fell from its sheath and he lost it, and after that his sheath was full of water. As he was pulled up, it pulled him back into the depths. From there Arthur went with his men until he caught up with Turtroith in Cornwall. Whatever trouble he had caused them before was mere play compared to what they then suffered in seeking the comb. But after one difficulty and another, the comb was taken from him. What? We're not even going to describe it at this point. We've done too much description. After one difficulty and another, the comb was taken from him. You imagine it. And then he was chased out of Cornwall and driven straight into the sea. From then on, it was not known where he and Anna and Eithlem went. 
From there Arthur went to Ketley Wig in Cornwall to bathe himself and throw off his weariness. Arthur said, Are there any of the wonders we have still not obtained? One of the men said, Yes, the blood of the very black witch, daughter of the very white witch from Penant Govid in the uplands of hell. So Arthur set out for the north and came to where the hag's cave was, and Gwyn son of Nidh and Gwyfyr son of Gredol advised that Kakamuri and Hugwiv his brother should be sent to fight the hag. As they came into the cave, the hag attacked them, and grabbed Hugwiv by his hair and threw him to the ground beneath her. Kakamuri grabbed her by the hair and pulled her off Hugwiv to the ground, and she turned on Kakamuri and thrashed both of them, disarmed them, and sent them out shrieking and shouting. Arthur became angry at seeing his two servants almost killed, and tried to rush at the cave. And then Gwyn and Gwythyr said to him, It is not proper, and we do not like to see you wrestling with a hag. Let Heer Amren and Heer Avil go into the cave. And they went. But if the first two had difficulties, the fate of these two was far worse, so that God knows how any of the four could have left the place had it not been for the way they were all put on Thlumre, Arthur's mare. And then Arthur rushed to the entrance of the cave, and from the entrance he aimed at the hag with Khan Wenan, his knife, and struck her in the middle so she was like two vats. And Cow of Pridin took the witch's blood and kept it with him. And then, Kiluch set out with Godai son of Kistenin, and those who wished harm to Isbalad and Benkau, and took the wonders with them to his court. Just a quick reminder in case you've forgotten, because it's easy to forget, Godai son of Kistenin is Isbaladan's nephew, and he's had like 20 of his brothers killed by Isbaladan at this point. And Cow of Pridin came to shave off Isbaladan's beard, flesh and skin to the bone, and both ears completely. And Kiluch said, Have you been shaved, man? I have, he replied. And is your daughter now mine? Yours he replied, and you need not thank me for that, but thank Arthur, the man who arranged it for you. If I'd had my way, you never would have got her. It is high time to take away my life. And then Gorai, son of Kistenin, grabbed him by the hair, and dragged him to the mound, and cut off his head, and stuck it on the bailey post. And he took possession of his fort and his territory. And that night Kiluch slept with Olwen, and she was his only wife as long as he lived and Arthur's men dispersed, each one to his country. And that is how Kiluch won Olwen, daughter of Isbaladan Benkal. Well, that was a hell of a tale. It's a long one, and it's not... In a lot of ways it doesn't feel cohesive. It's almost a catalogue of other stories. Moving on, next time we'll be hearing one of the stories that is actually based on Anglo-French Arthurian romances, and they will have rather more development of the characters, or at least the central characters. Bitching About the Mabinogion is told by Gwen Verch David and produced by Amanda Martell. Take care, and thanks for listening.
before we go, for those who are curious and want to hear me attempt a linguistic challenge, I'm going to try to read you the 260 names of the men of Arthur's court that Kiluch invoked when he asked Arthur to help him get the hand of Olwen, daughter of Isbalad and Benkar. Here we go. He invoked his gift in the name of Kai and Bedwir, and Greidol Gathovid, and Gwithir son of Greidol, and Gride son of Eri, and Kenthilig Gvarwid, and Tathal Twithgolai, and Melwith son of Baithan, and Knichur son of Ness, and Kibert son of Daire, and Ferkos son of Poch, and Lliber Baithach, and Corvil Berfach, and Gwyn son of Esni, and Gwyn son of Nuivra, and Gwyn son of Nith, and Edern son of Nith, and Cadwy son of Geraint, and Flevu Flam Uledig, and Thruen Bebir son of Dorath, and Bradwen son of Moren Minog, and Moren Minog himself, and Dathdaf son of Kiminkoth, and the son of Alin Divet, and the son of Saidi, and the son of Gurinon, and Uchtrid Arduyad Kad, and Kunwas Karvagal, and Gurhir Gwalthegras, and Isberir Ewingath, and Gathgoid Govinyad, and Dwach and Brathach and Nerthach, sons of Gwarbiv Kirvach, from the uplands of Hell did those men come, and Kilith Kanhastir, and Kanhastir Kanhlau, and Korskant Ewin, and Esgail Gilhuch Kovinkan, and Drusturn Hayarn, and Gwelwid Gavailbar, and Llochlau Winyog, and Anwas Aidinyog, and Sunach son of Saithved, and Wadi son of Saithved, and Nau son of Saithved, and Gwynwynwyn son of Nau son of Saithved, and Bedu son of Saithved, and Goburwi son of Echel forthwith Tuth, and Echel forthwith Tuth himself, and Mile son of Roikol, and Dadwal Dathben, and Gauburli son of Gwithogwyr, and Gwithogwyr himself, and Gormont son of Ruka, and Menu son of Tergwaith, and Dugon son of Alar, and Selif son of Sinioid, and Grisk son of Achen, and Neheth son of Kadarn, and Ridwath son of Trifin, and Turch son of Perwith, and Turch son of Anwas, and Iona king of France, and Sel son of Selgi, and Teregid son of Ion, and Sulian son of Ion, and Bradwen son of Ion, and Moren son of Ion, and Sialn son of Ion, and Caradog son of Ion. There were men of Cardathil, Arthur's family, on his father's side. Dyrmig son of Cow, and Yustig son of Cow, and Edmig son of Cow, and Angald son of Cow, and Govan son of Cow, and Kellen son of Cow, and Conan son of Cow, and Mabsant son of Cow, and Gwengad son of Cow, and Llwybyr son of Cow, and Koch son of Cow, and Melig son of Cow, and Cynwal son of Cow, and Arduad son of Cow, and Egyriad son of Cow, and Neb son of Cow, and Gildas son of Cow, and Kalkas son of Cow, and Huile son of Cow, he never submitted to a lord's control, and Samson Fenzich, and Taliesin ben Beirth, and Manawidan son of Llyr, and Tlari son of Kasnar Oledig, and Sperin son of Ferglant, king of Brittany, and Saranhon son of Glithvir, and Llaur son of Eru, and Aninog son of Menu Tergwaith, and Gwyn son of Nuivre, and Flam son of Nuivre, and Gerain son of Erbin, and Ermid son of Erbin, and Duel son of Erbin, and Gwyn son of Ermid, and Cundrin son of Ermid, and Hivaith Inllen, and Avion Farfredig, and Threidun Arwi, and Gormant son of Rika, Arthur's brother on his mother's side, his father the chief elder of Cornwall. 
and llawn rhoddedd farfog, and nodal fartrwch, and berth son of Cado, and Rhaedon son of Beli, and is govan hael, and Usguan son of Banon, and Morvran son of Tegid. No man laid his weapon in him at Camlan, because he was so ugly, everyone thought he was an attendant demon. He had hair on him like a stag. And son there prid Angel. No one laid his spear in him at Camlan, because he was so beautiful, everyone thought he was an attendant angel. And Cunwell Sant, one of the three who escaped from Camlan, he was the last to part from Arthur, on Hengroin his horse. And Uchthrid son of Erim, and Ace son of Erim, and Henwas Edinjog son of Erim, and Henbevestir son of Erim, and Skiltis Gavendroid son of Erim. There were three magical qualities about these last three men. Henbevestir, he never found any man who could keep up with him, either on horseback or on foot. Henwas Edinjog, no four-legged animal could ever keep up with him over one acre, let alone any farther than that. Skiltis Gavendroid, whenever he wanted to go on an errand for his lord, he would never seek a road as long as he knew where he was going, but while there were trees, he would travel along the top of the trees, and while there was a mountain, he would travel on the tips of the reeds, and throughout his life no reed ever bent beneath his feet, let alone broke, because he was so light. Tathi Hen, son of Gwynon, whose kingdom the sea overran, and he only just escaped and came to Arthur, and his knife had a magical attribute. Ever since he came here, no handle would ever stay on it, and because of that he became sick and weary during his lifetime, and of that he died. And Carnedir, son of Govignon Hen, and Gwenwynwyn, son of Nav, Arthur's foremost champion, and Llegadrith Emris, and Gvodhul Hen, they were Arthur's uncles, his mother's brothers. Kilvanawid, son of Gorion, and Llenthiog Wivel from the headland of Gamon, and Dvinwal Moel, and Dinarth, king of the north, Teirnon Trufliant, and Tegan Gloth, and Tegir Targethlog, Gurdiwal son of Evre, and Morgant Hael, Gwistil son of Nwithon, and Thryn son of Nwithon, and Thoide son of Nwithon, and Gwydre son of Thoide by Gwenabwi, daughter of Cao, his mother. Hwile his uncle stabbed him, and because of that there was hatred between Arthur and Hwile, because of the injury. Drem, son of Dremidid, who from Kethliwig in Cornwall could see a fly rise in the morning with the sun as far away as Penblathown in Pictland. And Idoil, son of Nair and Gwyvin Sire, who built Ehangwen, Arthur's Hall. Cynur Cain Varvog, Cai was said to be his son. He said to his wife, If there is any part of me in your son, maiden, his heart will always be cold and there will be no warmth in his hands. Another of his magical attributes, if he be a son of mine, he will be stubborn. <laughs> what a magical attribute. Ah, yes, stubbornness. It's my superpower. Another attribute. When he carries a load, be it large or small, it will never be visible, neither in front of him nor behind him. Another attribute. No one will withstand water or fire as well as he. Another attribute. There will be no servant or officer like him. Henwas and Henwineb, and Hengedimjaith, Gathgoiganava. Whatever town he would come to, though there were three hundred houses in it, if he wanted anything, he would let no man sleep while he was there. Berwin, son of Kerenir, and Peris, king of France. And that's why it is called the Citadel of Paris. Osla Gethlethvaur, who would carry Bronthlafen Ferthidan, when Arthur and his hosts would come to the edge of a torrent, a narrow place over the water would be sought and the dagger would be placed in its sheath across the torrent. It would be bridge enough for the men of the three islands of Britain and her three adjacent islands, and their booty. Gwythog, son of Minister, who killed Kai, and Arthur killed him and his brothers to avenge Kai, 
Garanwin son of Kai, and Amrin son of Bedwir, and Eli, and Mir, and Thray Thrivirus, and Thrun Thrivwern, and Eli, and Trachmir, Arthur's chief huntsman, and Thwedi son of Kilcoid, and Huabwi son of Gurion, and Gwyn Godivron, and Gwair Dathar Wenidog, and Gwair son of Cadethlin Tal Arian, and Gwair Gwyrid Enwir, and Gwair Gwynbaladir, Arthur's uncles, his mother's brothers, the sons of Fuchlau Winyog from beyond the Tyrrhenian Sea, Llenlhoig Wivel, and Arverchog Predain, Cas son of Saidi, Gurvan Gwathathwin, Gwilenhin, king of France. We've had three kings of France so far. Gwitar son of Aeth, king of Ireland, Garcelid Wivel, Panaur Pen Bagad, Atlendor son of Nav, Gwynhivar, overseer of Cornwall and Devon, one of the nine who plotted the Battle of Camlan, Kethli and Kiethli, and Githla Goishiv. He would clear three hundred acres in a single leap, chief leaper of Ireland. Sol, and Guadanosol, and Guadanothaith. Sol, who could stand all day on one leg. Guadanosol, if he were to stand on top of the largest mountain in the world, it would become like a level plain beneath his feet. Guadanothaith, like hot metal when drawn from the forge with the flashing sparks from his souls when he encountered strife, he would clear the way for Arthur and his hosts. Hir Erum and Hir Atum, on the day they came to a feast they would seize three cantrevs for their needs. They would feast till noon and drink till night. When they would go to sleep they would devour the heads of insects through hunger, as if they had never eaten food. When they went to a feast they left neither fat nor lean, neither hot nor cold, neither sour nor sweet, neither fresh nor salt, neither cooked nor raw. Hiarwar, son of Halun, who asked his fill as a gift from Arthur. It was one of the three mighty plagues of Cornwall and Devon until he was given his fill. He never gave a hint of a smile except when he was full. Gwalai Gwath Erin, the two whelps of the bitch Rumi, Gwithrid and Gwithen Astris, Sigyn, son of Signevid, who would suck up the sea when there were three hundred ships until it was just a dry beach. He had red breast fever. Kakamuri, Arthur's servant, Show him a barn, though there would be in it the work of fifty ploughs. He would thrash away with an iron flail until the boards, the rafters, and the side beams would be no better off than the fine oats in the heap of the corn sheaves at the bottom of the barn. Thung, and de Guvlung, and Anoith Feidog, and Hir Avil, and Hir Amrem, they were two of Arthur's servants, and Gwevil, son of Gwastad. On days when he was sad, he would let his bottom lip drop to his navel, and the other would be a hood on his head. Holy shit, that's a mental image. Ichthrid Farv Dwaus, who would fling his bushy red beard across fifty rafters in Arthur's Hall. Another brilliant mental image. Elidir Gevarwith, Isgurdaf and Isgidith, they were two of Gwenevar's servants. On an errand their feet were as fleet as their thoughts. Brith, son of Prisethach, from the top of the Black Fernland in Prydain, and Grithwin Gor. Bulch and Kivulch and Sivulch, sons of Clevif Kivulch, grandsons of Clevif Divulch, three gleaming glitterers their three shields, three stabbing strokes their three spears, three keen carvers their three swords, Glas, Glesig, Glesiad their three hounds, Kath, Kiath, Kavath their three steeds, Hwyrdvidug and Drugvidug and Llwyrdvidug their three wives, Och and Garim and Diaspad, their three grandchildren, Llyched and Neved and Aesiwedd, their three daughters, Drug and Gwaith and Gwaithafoth, their three maidservants. 
Ehebrid son of Kivulch, Gorasgurn son of Nerth, Gwaidan son of Kenvelin Kedog, Puchhanadin, Dun Daiseg Inben, Eiladar son of Pen Tharkan, Kenedir Wicht son of Hetun Tal Arian, Sawil Pen Ichel, Gwalchmai son of Guriar, Gwalhaved son of Guyar, Gurhil Gwalstaud Iaithoiv, he knew all languages, and Kethdrum Ophiriad. Clist, son of Clistfainiad, if he were buried seven fathoms in the earth, he could hear an ant fifty miles away stirring from its bed in the morning. Medir, son of Methrediv, who from Kethliwig could strike a starling in Esgair Oirvel in Ireland right through both legs. Gwian Llegad Cath, who could cut a membrane and a gnat's eye without harming the eye. Ol, son of Olwith, seven years before he was born, his father's pigs were stolen, and when he grew to be a man, he traced the pigs and brought them home in seven herds. Bedwini the bishop, who would bless Arthur's food and drink. And also the gentle, golden-talked ladies of this island. Besides Gwenwavar, chief queen of this island, and Gwenwavach, her sister, and Rathtien, only daughter of Clememil, Kelemon, daughter of Kai, and Tangwen, daughter of Gwaiadathai Wenidog, Gwenalach, daughter of Kunwal Kanhuch, Ernaid, daughter of Kudno Aidin, Eneog, daughter of Bedwir, and Hrydeg, daughter of Tidiathar, Gwenledir, daughter of Gwaredir Kervach, Erdidvil, daughter of Trifin, Erolwin, daughter of Gwidolwin Gor, Teleri, daughter of Pale, Indeg, daughter of Garwihir, Morviv, daughter of Irian Hreged, Gwenthian Deg, the magnanimous maiden, Crevillad, daughter of Llidhlau Eraint, the most majestic maiden there ever was in the three islands of Britain and her three adjacent islands. And for her, Gwythir, son of Greidol, and Gwyn, son of Niv, fight each May day forever until the day of judgment. Ethithlu, daughter of Nailkin Krog, and she lived for three generations. Esithd Finwen and Esithd Fingul. In the name of all of these did Kiluch, son of Kilith, invoke his gift. <laughs>